Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Murray Withers from the Comment and Analysis Desk of the FT. In this podcast, Patrick Jenkins looks at how banking, a sector known for its vast profits, huge pay packets and soaring stock market valuations, has come to resemble the most humdrum of utilities. Capital requirements and stress testing have set de facto price and profit controls for leading financial institutions, with many now characterised by low returns on equity, high dividend yields, constrained growth prospects and low valuations. Now, Patrick looks at the options for bank executives in the post-crisis world. The applause was faint when Neil Kashkari, the influential president of the Minneapolis Federal Reserve, addressed Washington, D.C.'s Brookings Institution in February. Little wonder. A shocked audience had heard Mr Kashkari, a man who had cut his teeth as a Treasury official administering the U.S. bank bailout program in 2008, make a radical suggestion. Turn large banks into public utilities by forcing them to hold so much capital they virtually can't fail, with regulation akin to that of a nuclear power plant. It was a proposal spun out of his conviction that America's largest banks remain too big to fail eight years after the financial crisis and six years after the slew of Dodd-Frank regulation for which Mr Kashkari himself helped lay the groundwork. Few expect his idea ever to go anywhere, given the still powerful Wall Street lobby and the fractured political attitude to bank regulation. But the parallel Mr Kashkari drew was telling. Banks, in the eyes of some policymakers and some bankers too, have already become like utilities and not necessarily in a good way. Sir Philip Hampton has the perfect perspective. Today, he is chairman of drugmaker GlaxoSmithKline, and in past lives, he was finance director of privatised utility British Gas, and later chaired Royal Bank of Scotland, following its 2008 collapse, when the then world's biggest bank by assets had to be rescued with £45 billion of UK government money. Banks look increasingly like competitive utilities, says Sir Philip, who oversaw a £1 trillion purge of RBS's riskiest assets. There are ever higher levels of regulation and relatively low utility-like returns. RBS itself has remained loss-making since the crisis. A sector that before 2008 was known for its freewheeling ways, vast profits, huge pay packages and soaring stock market valuations, has been so undercut by regulation and low interest rates that it has come to resemble the most humdrum of utilities. Capital requirements and stress testing set de facto price and profit controls, There's a sharper focus among policymakers on the social usefulness of banks' activities. Stock market valuations are low, dividend yields are high, growth prospects look limited. And perhaps most disturbing for their profit outlook, the products and services that banks sell are increasingly commoditized as regulation has tightened and risk appetites have reduced. That might feel like just desserts for an industry that triggered a global crisis and whose most notorious staff have been shown up as fraudsters, money launderers and cartel operators. But for anyone with an interest in the health of banks, such as investors eager for a decent return and customers wanting good, low-priced services, it is bad news. There is no universal definition of a utility. Critics of the banks would point to the irony in the underlying implication of a utility being useful. But in large parts of the world, particularly in Europe and the US, the likes of sewerage operators, electricity suppliers and gas companies share traits. 
they tend to operate under high levels of regulation, with price and profit controls, low returns on equity, high dividend yields, constrained growth prospects, and modest stock market valuations. The parallels with banking in the developed world are undeniable. HSBC, for instance, had a dividend yield of 6.5% last year, higher than any blue-chip utility, having generated a return on equity of 7.6%. A few banks made juicier ROEs, some, like RBS, are stubbornly loss-making. But most are stuck in the 5-10% to range, and none is anywhere near hitting the high point that bank returns reached in the years before the 2008 financial crisis. HSBC made an ROE of 17% a decade ago. Goldman Sachs was making 25-30%. to Today's returns are in line with a solidly performing power or water company. Some of the decline is down to the economic environment. Anemic growth combined with slimmer margins based on ultra-low rates has trimmed profits. But the big constraint has been regulation. Banks have to fund themselves with far more equity and relatively less debt, a logical response to the excessive balance sheet leverage of the pre-crisis years, but all the same a shock to the system. Those capital requirements have tripled or quadrupled when headlined numbers and tighter definitions of capital and asset risk are factored in. At the same time, so-called liquidity rules have obliged banks to hold far bigger pots of cash, redundant money, and take less risk by limiting the extent to which potentially lucrative long-term loans can be funded with cheap short-term money. Regulators have initiated and progressively toughened stress tests with changing scenarios that create a curb on risk and profit. Banks aren't yet economically regulated, says Sir Philip, pointing to the pricing caps imposed on many utilities. But there is a form of that through stress tests. Regulators can be assertive on a bank's mix of business. If they see an ultra-high return operation, they worry about the potential for stressed losses. They can get muscular about high-risk, high-return businesses that they don't think you should be in. The utility parallel is set to be extended still further in the UK, where big banks are preparing to erect a regulatory ring fence around their high street operations to protect them from their riskier investment banking activities. A ring fence bank is going to be like a utility, says one policymaker close to the process. It will have limited operational manoeuvrability. Many bank activities have long been commoditized and utility-like, with some geographies and business areas controlled by monopolies, duopolies or oligopolies. ATM networks, for example, or the infrastructure used to process interbank transfers are like financial cables, pipes and plumbing. In the US, the mortgage market could not operate without the financing provided by twin utilities Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. The parallels are intensifying in two ways. First, as outlined above, Much of the sector is taking on the characteristics of a utility, the regulation, the valuation, the profitability, the dividend payouts. There is, however, a second change that is bringing utility market dynamics to specific areas of banking. Most obviously, it is happening in the area of payments, an unexciting but core part of banking where commoditization is taking hold as an already utility-like function attracts competition from technology companies. Some draw a comparison with the deregulation of the UK power market in the 1990s when monopolistic gas and electricity companies were exposed to competition. But it may be worse than that for the banks. The likes of Apple Pay and PayPal are popular brands that are capturing the all-important relationship with the consumer, leaving partner banks to do the routine, regulated, behind-the-scenes work. It is a trend that worries some bankers. If you don't have the relationship with the customer, you're just a utility. You're just the dumb pipes, says Francisco Gonzalez, executive chairman of BBVA, which is determined to escape that fate by buying high-tech challengers, such as the US lender Simple. Other banks have been engaged in a losing battle. In the spring, US Bancorp launched a service allowing customers to make instant payments from a smartphone, charging $6.95 per transaction. We have to make sure, Chief Executive Richard Davis told shareholders, that the business of banking doesn't become a utility in the minds of the consumers where they expect everything to come without a value price to it. 
By July, however, after attacks from startups, one of which tweeted big banks are thieves, and a free competing service from arch-rival Bank of America, US Bancorp's fee for instant payments was cut to zero. Payments are the visible tip of a broader change. Banks' long-established ability to charge high prices for a whole range of services is crumbling. Combined with a difficult macroeconomic environment and new regulation, the squeeze on profits has been extreme. In many markets, that would have spurred a rush of mergers and acquisitions, as incumbents rushed to find cost synergies and cut overheads. Bank bosses, though, have reluctantly accepted that regulators will block too-big-to-fail banks from getting any bigger. Instead, the focus is on collaborating in less sensitive areas. Joint ventures are being set up to cover everything from know-your-customer risk checks to equity research. The common theme? Banks want to spin off utility-like back-office functions to eliminate duplication, cut costs and push up profits. So do all the similarities, commodity-like products, ordinary services, mean banks are now utilities in all but name? No, says Chirantan Barua, analyst at Bernstein Research. Banking is inherently volatile. It is a leveraged business with exposure to volatile things like house prices. It also persists in paying its staff far more generously than any utility or low-risk business. A typical utility, he says, might have five or ten staff who are paid more than a million pounds a year. A bank like Barclays or JP Morgan has hundreds or even thousands. Some investors are unfazed and are warming to the increased utility features, particularly the high dividends. Paul Markham, a fund manager at Newton Investment Management, said last month that banks look cheap and seem to be on a journey to a more utility-like, high-payout model. That could be attractive to investors. Exploiting that view is a key focus for some banks. In this zero-rate environment, it is a good thing to be like a utility. It's the right way to attract investors, says Carlo Messina, chief executive of Intesa San Paolo, Italy's biggest domestic lender. But Mr Barua is cautious. Everyone calls Nordea, the Swedish lender, Lloyds and Wells Fargo utilities because they're pumping out dividends. But banking is cyclical. They have very volatile income lines. Banks are seen as volatile because, unlike utilities, they're at the sharp end of sometimes extreme interest rate and economic cycles, leading to high levels of credit risk. And the market risk that comes from trading securities is unpredictable. Taking and managing risk is a core part of what a bank does, says Renit Ghost, bank's analyst at Citigroup. While payments can be utility-like, it is hard for a bank that does lending or trading to be low risk. Jamie Dimon, J.P. Morgan's straight-talking chief executive, is unapologetic. In a 22,000-word letter to shareholders in April, he delivered a blunt riposte to Mr Kashkari's proposal to regulate banks more like the nuclear power utilities that some believe they resemble. Banks, he wrote, have to continuously make judgments on risk and appropriately price for it, and they have to do this while competing for a client's business. There is nothing about banking that remotely resembles a utility. JP Morgan is certainly doing all it can to undermine the parallels. Its ROE is scraping 10%, and Mr Diamond was paid a total of $27 million last year down by nearly a third from 2006, but hardly the remuneration of a utility operator.